The Old Testament reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle it comes to us from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the sixth chapter. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. 
And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces, and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Hmm. O Lord, have mercy on us. <clears throat> Grace and peace to one and all. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Most Holy Father, we're so grateful that you bring us together to worship you, to gather in fellowship, and to prepare us through your Holy Spirit to meet the world to bring your saving word to all around us. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You know what I love about this story? Jesus was, after all, a preacher, right? He started and he went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Finally, his friend said, Hey, Jesus, these guys are getting hungry. You better stop. What a guy. But note what his most important function was. We have always concentrated on the food, don't we? I mean, it wasn't much, some smelly old fish and some hard bread, but we still concentrate on the miracle of the loaves and fishes, and we draw little cartoonish characters in VBS and, and Sunday school and say, isn't that great? He fed all the men. He fed all the men. That's what it says. I'm not making that up, right? It says that in the text. He fed the men. That means the women, you know, you ladies, you get everything done. Yay! Without the ladies, what would we, we need? A, we men need a miracle without the ladies. That's what it's all about. If, if Jesus wasn't there, everybody would have starved. And you're going to ask, don't be distracted, where were the women and the children were typically, you know, this is a Middle Eastern event. The women are generally on the outskirts of the crowd, so there were 5,000 men. Women were out there with the kids, probably making fires and changing diapers and that sort of thing. That's the way it was. Yeah. 
And the reason that they could go on and on and on with teaching was because it, we do have an idea how it worked. Just so you're of interest, in the open air, they did not have microphones. And unless they were in a Roman kind of a coliseum or a, you know, a stadium, open air preaching is really tough. I've done it really hard. So in those ancient days, what they did was, and likely Jesus, from time to time, he told a few people, his buddies, and then they told a few people, and down the road, all 5,000. That's a lot of people sitting on the grass. And so eventually they got it all taken care of. But the truth was there. So now it's so fascinating that I call this, when's the last time we ran after Jesus? Well, we are, let's face it, we are proper. We are proper northern Europeans, mostly. Some of us from other places, but mostly we're proper northern European stock. And we don't like to do anything unless it's scripted. Right? we got to have form. We've got to have traditions. And if anybody said, let's run to church, oh, we'd say, stop it. Stop it. Behave. Behave yourself. Yeah, one time my kids were in trouble because we lived in Kansas in a church that had an interesting layout. And, you know, they were riding their bicycles around in circles in the church. I don't know. Some people took offense to that. I thought it was a good idea, but, you know. But there's that formalism. You can't do these things. So we don't really think of running to Jesus, approaching him very staidly, you know, like this. Hello, Jesus, I have a request. Well, I love this story as it begins. The people had seen him do lots of things. They'd heard him. They'd heard a lot about him. And it says, they saw him get in the boat, and they plotted where the boat was going. And so they ran out, and they told people, just like Paul Revere, you know, telling the people, and that young lady, the British are coming. In this case, Jesus is going to land over there. Let's go get him. Wow. And they run. They run as fast as they can. And they got there, and there's Jesus pulling up in the boat. Yay, we beat you. Wow. I just wanted to take a vacation. Remember, that's what he was after. He wanted a vacation. Hmm. So he sat him down in the bin. He started teaching him. And you know, what is he teaching him? You think, well, is it that complicated? Why was it taking all afternoon? I mean, these are simple people. They're not highly educated. Well, he was going back into the Old Testament. There was no such thing as Old Testament. You know that. There was just the Bible. And he was all about the first five books, the books of history and some of the prophets. That was Jesus talking about those things and focusing the people on the one rule. So all the Bible, all the Old Testament, we would say, focuses on the one rule. Yeah, and that takes an awful lot of teaching, still does. And what is that one rule we have? Now, we all look at the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, we look at the Ten Commandments and all sorts of other things, but what is the one rule? 
that we have. Remember, when somebody came to Jesus, he said, what is the summary of the law, of the Bible? And the truth was this, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your body, and soul. Right? That's the one big rule. Then he said what? What is the summary of that rule? And it comes down to one simple thing, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, boom. To love you one another. All the law, all the Old Testament, all those rules and all of that to love God with our heart, mind, body, and soul comes down to this, to love you each other. It is something we don't do very well at, isn't it? We don't do a good job of that. And so we need constant teaching, constant encouragement, and to run to Jesus where we'll find that. Now the juxtaposed opposite, see that's the gospel part of it? The, the law happened in the garden. Remember the Garden of Eden? They had one rule. We have one rule. We. Those two people, Adam and Eve, they were Middle Eastern peoples. They didn't look like us. It doesn't matter what they looked like, but they didn't look like us. They were naked. They could do whatever they wanted. They had complete and absolute freedom. Wow. But the Almighty said what? And he was a friend of theirs. He was their friend. He said, you guys can do whatever you want. No restrictions. But don't. Do not. Touch or eat the fruit of that one tree right there. Don't do it. Now, I know when you were young, and maybe when I was young, I thought that that was a magic tree, right? No. There was no magic in that tree. The only magic was in their obedience. Are you going to obey? The love you one another is obedience. Are we going to obey Adam and Eve and not touch the fruit of that one tree? You got the whole wide garden to yourself. You don't have to work. You're perpetually retired. You live by the river. You got waterfront property. It's all yours. They couldn't even obey that one simple rule. And so they went up and snatched the fruit. There was no magic. They thought, well, I can be like God, magically. No. Once they broke the rule, they became disobedient, and the only magic was the disintegration of their souls. They went backwards. And then, instead of running to the Lord, whenever he appeared, because it says, you know, he wandered through the garden, the Lord did. That wasn't the only time, of course, when he was looking for them, because usually you would get the idea they would run up to him and embrace him. Embrace the Lord, yeah. But this time, since they disobeyed the one rule, 
They now cowered and hid and covered themselves and all that other stuff. And finally, when he discovered them, well, he knew where they were. He said, what did you do? Did you eat of that fruit that I told you not to do? The one thing, the only one rule, and you broke it. And now you're running the other direction, and we've been running ever since, folks. We've been running ever since. And so then Jesus came into the scene, and he reduces all of the rules and the regulations. You know, the book, the Bible in those days, if you've ever read through Leviticus, yeah, do it. Read through Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, all sorts of rules. And in the book of the prophets, in the history books, it says, if you follow all my rules, all my commandments, you shall be blessed. Well, nobody did that. They couldn't even obey one in the garden. So here comes Jesus, and he takes all those, remember, all those rules, he condenses them down to one, and he says, love you each other. That's all there is. Well, we don't get there too often, do we? And when we uh, find ourselves in violation of the one rule to love each other, we run away from Jesus. We don't run to him. Now, in those days when they, he was gathering the people, he was so anxious, Jesus was so anxious to teach them about the one rule. I mean, they were oppressed. Don't, I mean, we're in a time and age where we imagine that we're the most oppressed and abused people on planet Earth. I get so tired of that. Don't you? This is the best place to, in the whole wide world to live. And all you got to do is visit some crazy other country and you'll find out. That's the truth. Nobody's, uh, there was, was there a guard out in front of the church saying you can't come in here? Was there? Did you see? Is there a guard saying you cannot come in this building? Oh, no. Here we are, praise God Almighty. We ran into here. Oh, not us. We, we walked in sedately. That's all right. That's okay. We're here. That's what counts. And we're running, though, for his teaching to love you one another. And we might ask the question, why? Why should I love my, my, uh, my cousin, uh, my brother, uh, the guy at work, uh, my boss, that lady, she doesn't understand me, the professor at school, the teachers? Why should I love those people? They don't love me. Right? Why? It's a good question. And the answer is because of Jesus. Jesus looks at us and he says, you have now become my citizens. You are citizens in the kingdom of God. You're, you're Christians. You've been saved from death. We don't get that until we face it, but that's what he says. We've been saved from the death that is forever and mostly, in our own experience, we are saved for hope, H-O-P-E. We have a hope in this life and a bigger, better hope in that which is yet to come. Our sins, the bad stuff we do, are forgiven. People who lie to each other, people who cheat, when we drive our cars in excess of the posted speed limits. That's a sin. Anybody want to confess to that? 
when we develop our own opinions about all the other road laws, tailgating, whatever, but we don't get permits, permits to build our houses. Those are sins. How do I know they are sins? Because it violates Romans chapter 13 where it says obey the government. Oh my goodness, it's all over the place. So once we begin to understand ourselves, we say, oh Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need it. And he forgives us and he says, okay, I've forgiven you now. Change. Repent. Don't do it anymore. Okay. And then he says, and the best way to not do it to not sin is to love each person around us with that unreserved love that Jesus has for us. We are Jesus in this life. We're Jesus, as the author said, with skin on. People see us and they want to see Jesus. We're the ones that forgive. We're the ones that are tolerant in the best way. We're the ones who are patient at the line at the store when the lady in front of you is counting out her pennies and you're saying, I got to get out of here. Love you one another. This is our respectable obedience. This is the required obedience because we are citizens in the kingdom of God. We don't choose to be citizens. He chooses us. And where does that happen? In the waters of baptism. He chooses us. Each one of us in the water of baptism. I chose you to be my my children. We choose to disobey. So later on when young people or, or old people do whatever they want, put in your own words there, they're disobeying. Our job is to love them back with admonishment, with teaching, and with that one experiential reality, to love you one another. That's the one rule we have. Isn't that refreshing? We only have one rule. Isn't that it? Isn't that great? That's why we run to Jesus. Everywhere else in life is filled with rules. All over the place. One police officer told me, he says, as soon as you start going out towards your car, I can start citing you for bad things. Don't come to my house, I said, yeah. So many rules in life, but in this life, in the Christian life, obedience is wrapped up in love you one another because Christ has loved us first, the most, and the best. That does not mean we'll have an easy life. If you look at these four souls who were gathered at that place where he was teaching them, those 5,000 men, they went right back to their drudgery. They were plowing the fields with wooden plows, wood plows behind maybe an oxen, but usually behind a person. Pulling the plow, it was a drudgery, it was terrible. There was no light in their homes. There was no cleaning fluid for their dishes. They just scraped it off. They were sick all the time. They had rickets. They were bent over people, lots of them. They died early. And yet still, once they got it, to love you, one another, they turned the the world over. 
And from that meager beginning, with Jesus in the center, they changed the world to those who wanted to be changed, to have hope, H-O-P-E. And that's what he gives. And that's why he says, love you one another and run to him. Don't run away. It's so tempting to run away when we do bad things. But instead, run to him when things are the worst, when we're doing the worst stuff. Run to him because he's got open arms. Just like that, he says, I'm willing to help you, just like Adam and Eve. If they'd have just confessed, he would have embraced us just the same way. And he does by the Holy Spirit. So, dear Christian friends, whenever there's an opportunity to go sideways, to get mad, to cuss, to complain, that's running away from Jesus. And we're injuring somebody else. Bring that back and say, how now can I love that person because Jesus loves even me. I want to love you. That's our life. Love you one another. Let's bow our heads. Most Holy Father, we're so grateful that you were there in those days teaching those poor souls, and now you teach us ultimately to love you and to love those around us. Bless us, keep us safe. We ask it in your precious name. Amen.